Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning again, my friend. This is Mornings with Carmen, hour two. If you missed morning one, I'm morning one. <laughs> it felt like a whole morning. If you missed hour one, I encourage you to listen to it later as a podcast here at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. You should be subscribed to Mornings with Carmen as a podcast. Even though you listen to it, many of you live as a radio show. You should still be subscribed to it as a podcast. Why? Because that's how you can actually like go back and listen again, take notes, share it with somebody else. You say, why would I want to do that? Well, if you find this valuable, then maybe other people would find it valuable as well. And the way that you pass along to others what you have already received is by giving them the podcast. And here's the nice thing. It's free There you go. It's only free because we are listeners supported by wonderful friends like you. And so uh, thank you again for all of your wonderful support of this media ministry. In case you missed it, um, one of the things that we talked about during the spring fundraiser is just how far and wide God has spread the, the reach of this ministry. And so for those of you listening like on an actual radio, you're listening on a radio in your home, in your car, um, in one of our like, you know, we call like actual signal areas. Um, you're listening in Minneapolis, St. Paul or Duluth Superior. You're listening in Hartford. You're listening in Madison or Waterloo. You're listening in Cedar Rapids. You're listening in Rapid City. You're listening in Kansas City or Sioux Falls. You're listening in Fargo-Moorhead. Um, you're listening in Bismarck. And I mean, on and on and on. You you are, or you're listening through one of the translators, which is like a whole nother list. So um, you're listening on an actual radio. So there's a lot of other people. In fact, as many or more people now listening at MyFaithRadio.com via the digital stream or listening on their Faith Radio app, there's actually more of them than there are of you. It's crazy to think about, um, but there are people Listening to faith radio programming um, in 170 of the 195 countries in the world. There are people listening to faith radio programming in 170 of the 195 countries in the world. We are his witnesses to all the earth. And we want to be brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying for, engaged with, and listening to people all over the world. And so if you um, want to communicate with us, um, we would love to hear from you. You can send me an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com. If you're listening somewhere in the world and you feel unseen or disconnected, we want you to know you are seen, you are loved, we are praying for you. We want to sit in humility at your feet and learn from you. 
And the only way that we can do that is if you sort of let us know that you're out there. Um, if email is not a safe way to approach me um, because of where you are, my guess is you can find me on some other social media format. I actually have my own website apart from um, Faith Radio. It's just CarmenLaburge.com. Maybe that would be a, a way that you could get in touch with me if you're listening in a sensitive place. Um, so there you go. Just some thoughts. Let me ask you. Are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Do we even know what the main thing is? Is that even the right question? What if the main thing isn't a thing? What if the main thing is a who? I contend that the main thing, I guess it's a thing if you think about the kingdom. But if you're thinking about the main thing as a person, his name is Jesus. Are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Are we keeping the main guy the main thing? We need the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. People don't need another piece of our mind. They need the mind of Christ. We need the heart of Jesus. I don't have enough compassion, but his never ends. We need his spirit to discern in the midst of the spirit of the age. We need his network of other followers, not the people that we might pick first in the world's, on the world standards, like on the playground of competitive life. We need the people who love Jesus and who would die for him. That's the kind of reset we need. We need to be reminded, actually get a new mind in relationship to who we are and what in the world we're in the world to do. We need a gospel refresh. We need a fresh wind of God's spirit to help us individually and collectively discern the spirits of the age in which we live. And then, like, to actually be obedient. Not just to know all the things that God has said or Jesus has commanded, but to do them. To do them. The obedience issue is huge. We have a lot of right beliefs, but they're not activated. I think we need a gospel refresh. We've used the, the term, um, mm-hmm, revival, and I do think we need a revival, but I also think that as soon as I use that word, you have an image in your mind. What does it look like in your life to have a gospel refresh? To be reminded, to have your mind reset on the king and the kingdom. To get refocused in terms of your perspective. To actually begin again again. To restart We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, I believe that we need a reset. We need to be reminded 
Like we need to cultivate again the mind of Christ. We need to have our minds renewed by the transforming power of his spirit by investing ourselves in the very word of God. I think we need a gospel refresh, a revival, a fresh wind of God's spirit to literally bring to life again um, our faith, the, to light the fire, to fan the flame. We, we need to refocus. We have become distracted by many things, many, many things. I mean, you know me. Uh, I I don't know that I'm prone to distraction, but I'm prone to an endless list of curiosities. You might consider that distraction. And I am not saying that we put our heads in the sand and ignore the issues of the day or the times in which we live. I am saying that we need to refocus and gain God's perspective on all of it. What is God's perspective on XYZ? So whatever the headline is that has captured your attention this morning or this week or this month or this year or this election cycle, whatever, what is God's perspective on that concern, those people, that issue? What is God showing you? What does God want you to do? Are those the questions that you're even asking? And then if it's clear, if it's clear what God's perspective is, if it's clear what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes, because remember, we are his representatives. We are his agents of grace. We do not belong to ourselves. We have been bought and paid for with a price. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and he can do whatever he wants. So what does he want? What does God want me to do? And then will I obey? I think that's the real question. I think for many of us, myself included, the question is an obedience question. Will I obey what I know Christ has told me to do? I know the truth. I know right from wrong. I know what Jesus would do. But do I do it? One of the things that Dave Buring has taught us is that obedience is the engine of transformation. And if you and I do not do what we know God has called and sent us to do, then the engine of transformation stalls out. Not because God has failed us, but that we have failed to allow the Holy Spirit to animate our lives and to lead us into obedience to what God has already told us he wants us to do. So I just got to ask this question. If, if we're not, I mean, myself included here, this is, this is Carmen just, you know, full confession this morning. If I am not doing the things that God has already revealed he wants me to do, why would God answer the next prayer? Why would, why would God bother telling me the next thing if I haven't been faithful in the thing he has already commanded that I do? That's, I think that's the question that each one of us has to face. I know it's the question that I'm facing. Carmen, if you can't be obedient in this, this relatively small and simple thing, why, why would I invite you to do Greater things, bigger things. Why would I increase your blessing if you're not willing to 
do what I have commanded you to do on this one thing. Maybe you know what your one thing is. I pretty much know what my one thing is. Um, I'm trying to get before the Lord um, in relationship to that one thing. And I, you know, I appreciate your prayers alongside me as well. Hey, more together in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're just having a little intimate conversation between ourselves this morning. um, And we're going to continue it here in just a moment. Before you raise a wall of resistance, I'm going to I'm going to speak next to all the concerns that you're you're raising about what I'm saying. Yeah, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I know this segment is a little different than what we normally do, but, you know, every once in a while we got to talk amongst ourselves. We just got to sit down and have a cup of coffee or maybe you're having tea. Um... If so, I hope it's like good earth spiced tea. Mm, okay, there you go. Um, if you're having a, a, a cup of coffee, mm, I hope it's smooth and warm. Maybe you're having hot chocolate. Maybe you're a water person, which I really appreciate. Um, we're sitting down together. We're having a conversation. We're followers of Jesus, or we claim to be. But we also recognize that there are walls of resistance that we've put up, places that we know God has called us to go that we have avoided going, people we know God has called us to seek out that we have avoided, Um, repentance that God has called us to um, in terms of confessing our sins to one another that we have absolutely um, not done. I mean, we are in, so there are places in our lives where we, we know we're in disobedience to God because God has told us to do something we're we're aware that this is on um, on God's heart in terms of our following Him and our doing what He has commanded us to do, and we're not doing it. And so, if we're in disobedience, um, can you see how we are not then in a position to be effectively used by God in the good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do today? Because I'm not talking about works that we do unto salvation. That work has been accomplished. Jesus did that uh, upon the cross. Um, this is about obeying what we know God has created us to do, saved us to do, sent us to do, preserved us to do, equipped us to do. If we're not, if you and I are not individually and together working to advance the kingdom of Christ in the world today, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Feathering our own nests? I mean, ensuring our own comfort? Satisfying our own desires? I think we need a restart. One friend texted in, maybe the word you're looking for is reawakening. It's a great word, thinking there about that guy who fell asleep and slept for a whole generation. And when he woke up, you know, he's in a different place. This is a different time. So I think we need a restart, a refresh, a refocus, uh, a reawakening. These are all really good words. I think we need to begin again again. And that means each of us and, yes, all of us. But we can't go together where we don't individually go one by one. And that's to the foot of the cross. Back to our knees. Back to the empty tomb. Back to Emmaus back to that point in time, wherever that was, when Christ was made known to you 
in the breaking of the bread. Back to the Mount of Transfiguration. Back to the Last Supper. Back to the Samaritan Well. Back to the Damascus Road. Back to the healing of the leper or the man born blind or the woman who suffered for 12 years with an issue of blood. What is the scene to which you need to go back to? As if for the first time. So that you will remember, you will know in a fresh and a new way that Jesus loves you. You. Just as you are. Right where you are. He sees you. He came from the glory of heaven to seek and to save you. And if you've been there and done that, like, right, if you've been to the foot of the cross, if you've been to the empty tomb, if you acknowledge that he is God and that he has become Savior and you have enthroned him as Lord, like, if you've been there and done that, then do you recognize that he also sends you? He fills you with his Holy Spirit and he sends you not to sit on your laurels wherever you are or feather your own bed or ensure your own future comfort or even the comfort of the generations that you have produced. No, but to actually seek the lost. That's what he did. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so how is it possible that he is sending us to do anything other than that? I mean, do do we care that people living in darkness would actually know the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? Do we actually care? Do you even remember what it was like at the beginning when you first saw the light? Like, do, do you remember? Do you remember what it felt like? I do. Do you remember the peace that passes understanding that filled you in a moment? Do you remember when the scales fell off your eyes and you saw things and people and life and yourself in a completely different way because you suddenly saw through the eyes of Christ? What's your Jesus story? Do you love to tell it? How long has it been since you told the story of Jesus and his love for you to someone else? And when was the last time you asked someone else for their Jesus story? I am thinking right now about a woman who is living unhoused. She is homeless. And every time I see her, we have a moment. I know she's a follower of Christ. I have never bothered to ask her her Jesus story. I'm going to drive to that intersection today, and I'm going to say, I want to hear your Jesus story. I know you have a Jesus story. You talk about him every time I see you. What's your Jesus story? And I'm just going to sit and listen. God only knows what I might experience and learn. But God also knows I need to repent of crossing over to the other side and avoiding that interaction from time to time. So I'm just encouraging you today to consider a refocus, a reset, a reawakening, a refreshment a revival. Don't put up a wall of resistance just yet. Let's just see what God might do.
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, I appreciate you guys are looking for a report back about my uh, adventure into town today. Um, so I will, I will do my best. I will do my, uh, do my best. Um, God is sending his people into places to be his witnesses. It is happening. Um, and I thought that having a testimony from one who's not just going himself, but equipping many others to go and bring us stories of transformation from there. Todd Chaffee is going to join us next. He um, heads up the Calvin Prison Initiative. Maybe you have wondered um, in the past, or maybe you have been imprisoned in the past and have wondered how you might continue your education from that environment. Like, how are you going to um, renew your mind in your time of confinement and isolation? Um, Education is a clear and necessary tool in addressing recidivism and making um, those who are incarcerated prepared for re-entry into a world that changes while they're on the inside, but often doesn't give them credit for the ways in which they've changed while on the inside. Does that make sense? I'll say it again. Recidivism is a real problem people who are in prison tend to return to prison. Why? Because the patterns of behavior aren't changed and the culture um, doesn't receive them as, as people who are capable and changed and prepared to engage in a new life. And so the more education that is received, the less likely an individual currently incarcerated is to be rearrested and re-imprisoned. And so there's a clear relationship between recidivism and education. So the Calvin Prison Initiative is a part of saying, okay, well, then this is a place that God's people can enter in, not just visiting those who are in prison, and, and not that the gospel isn't wonderful and great and necessary, but when we go into prisons, what are we doing? How are we actually serving the needs of those who are there in order that when they are um, released from prison, they would be not only prepared but received into the culture as men and women um, prepared to serve. We're going to have that conversation with Todd Chaffee next. The Calvin Prison Initiative here on Mornings with Carmen. Todd Chaffee is joining us now. You can connect with him at calvin.edu. He's here to share with us about the Calvin Prison Initiative. Todd, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thanks. Good to be here, Carmen. So uh, let's approach this um, this way. Um, Let's talk about the why, and then let's talk about the who, and then let's talk about the what. Would that be okay? Sure. Sounds good to me. All right. So why... Why should Christians even, I'm, this is going to be an incredibly um, uh, a, a, a rhetorical question, but I want you to answer it nonetheless for folks sure. who might be listening who genuinely don't know. Why should Christians 
care about people in prison? Why should we visit them? And then why should we ask what are their needs in order to help them not return to prison? Right. Uh, fundamental questions for Christians. So to answer the first part, um, Jesus commanded us to visit prisoners. Uh, we see that in Matthew 25, of course. But we also notice throughout Scripture that prisoners play a role throughout God's narrative, that the prisoner represents uh, those who have failed, perhaps those who have been taken advantage of, the vulnerable. And God seems to relate to those folks. <clears throat> and in fact, uh, through this prison work that I've been doing the last eight years, I've come to realize that I'm no different uh, than a murderer. I am no different from somebody who received a life sentence for the wrongs he's done. Uh, I think it's a metaphor for my own sin and my own uh, distance from God. And at the same time, then, uh, a prisoner, as a metaphor, if you will, is also one who receives tremendous grace, uh, responds with tremendous gratitude, and now has new life. So that's the why. I think uh, in terms of visiting prisoners and getting to know them as human beings and not simply the dregs of society or the outcasts of society, uh, we learn about their backgrounds. I'd say 85% of the students in prison that we work with have very difficult backgrounds, very dysfunctional backgrounds. So that raises a whole host of social issues. Uh, 60 to 70% of all those incarcerated in the U.S. are people of color. And so we begin to look at the deeper questions of how did someone end up in prison? And when you begin to see some of the past of these people, frankly, it's not a surprise that they're in prison. And then in terms of what do they need, what do we need? I'll be honest with you, I, I think, again, this goes back to the gospel. Uh, God seeks relationship with us, covenant, communion, and uh, all those in society who are vulnerable, but all of us really, but especially the vulnerable those, again, that society uh, kind of tucks away, they need rela relationships. <clears throat> they need humanizing relationships. They need friendship. Uh, they need love like all of us. And so one thing we try to strive for in our program is not simply education, uh, but community. So God always works in community. And so we try to provide uh, a loving, caring, redemptive community for those who are incarcerated. And frankly, uh, you begin to see transformation almost immediately. So I hope that got to those three uh, targets, if you will. It's fantastic, um, Todd. Thank you so much. And again, I know you guys are already going to be looking for information on this. I can send you the link directly if you text me, 877-933-2484. You can always go to calvin.edu backslash prison initiative. Um, we're talking about the Calvin Prison Initiative this morning, and we're talking with its director, Todd Chaffee. Um, Todd, talk about the link between education and recidivism, or maybe education and not returning to prison. Yeah. So it's been uh, fascinating. In the last, I'd say, five decades, we've witnessed what uh, folks are calling mass incarceration in the United States, and we actually incarcerate uh, more than any other industrialized uh, country in the world. So the U.S. makes up just under 5% of the world's population, and we incarcerate 25% of the world's incarcerated. So we have a, a high um, level of incarceration in the U.S. At the same time, people have always been concerned to think through, well, what do we do? Uh, what, do we, what programs might work? 
what do we have to do to both keep people from going to prison and keeping people out of prison? Recent uh, studies have shown now that education is the key. So the Rand Corporation did a meta study of all data on education in prisons and found that any level of significant education in prison will lower recidivism or the rate at which somebody returns to prison after being released in the first three to five years, lowers recidivism by over 40%. If a person receives a BA degree in prison, that goes below 10%. If you receive a BA and an MA, it goes below 1%. So now we know that higher education, education can transform people. It can give them a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, and what the good is. And frankly, if you have those things, uh, why would you want to be deviant or do something to harm others or society? And so we now know that education really is the key to our mass incarceration problem. What have you um, witnessed to this point, like let's let's tell people a story of transformation through the Calvin Prison Initiative, um, and then after the break, let's talk about like how it functions and how it works. But tell us a sure. story. So uh, there was a student in our program. His name is Marquise, and he comes from Flint, Michigan, and he comes from a very impoverished neighborhood. He's uh, African American, and when he was growing up. Um, his mother was on drugs. His father was in prison. Uh, his siblings were uh, getting involved in all sorts of things they shouldn't have been in. And he basically grew up on the streets. And he had no sense of purpose other than uh, gang life, frankly. And eventually he did go to prison for taking a life uh, as a gang member and drug dealer. He goes into prison and he begins just to continue that same lifestyle in prison. He begins to get introduced to Christianity uh, he shows some interest. He's not sure yet. The, he has a lot of bad habits to correct, but then he gets introduced to our program. So he's in our program inside the prison for three years, the five-year program, and he ends up being paroled. And now he's finishing his degree on the main campus. And just talking to him a couple of weeks ago, uh, he says, I have a completely new identity. Uh, he's mm. embraced Christianity. He's fully embraced the Calvin educational program. He's working full time. He's stable, paying bills. He's in a house. And for the first time in his life, he said, I'm actually happy. And for the first time in his life, he actually understands uh, what it means to be human, what it means to be Christian, and now what it means to love your neighbor, not steal from your neighbor. And so this is just a remarkable transformation. And as he's telling you his story, the tears are just flowing down his cheeks. And he's filled with gratitude. He's just filled with gratitude because he realizes had he continued in the way he was, he either would have spent the rest of his life in prison or uh, he would have died at an early age. We're going to continue our conversation with Todd Chaffee in just a moment. We are talking about the Calvin Prison Initiative. I want you to imagine for a moment that there is a, a Christian university experience. They are having the full Calvin university experience, but they are having it inside of a Michigan Department of Corrections facility. We're talking about the power of education. Um, We're also talking about the power of the redemptive people of God going into the places where Jesus has sent us in order that light might shine in darkness and people's lives might be transformed. 
We're going to continue our conversation with Todd here in just a moment. In the meantime, if you want the link directly to the Calvin Prison Initiative, you can just text me 877-933-2484 or visit calvin.edu backslash prison initiative. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Todd Choffey. He heads up Calvin University's um, expression uh, for prisoners. I just describe it that way as for incarcerated people. It's called the Calvin Prison Initiative. And through this, um, folks are getting a full Calvin University experience, even um, inside or those who are inside um, prison facilities. And so, first of all, let's, let's talk about how this works. Like, I'm, you know, first of all, you're a Christian university and you have this government relationship that makes, you know, people itchy and squishy and right. And, and, and you're doing really good work in a really hard place. And then those people are going to get out of prison. And then what's going to happen, Todd? So, you know, you can right. just swim around in any of that. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> the program, let me describe the program a little bit. And this will, I think, get at uh, some of your questions. So Calvin University has an open policy in terms of enrollment, and that's a true on our main campus, where you don't have to be a Christian to attend Calvin. However, you are going to get the full Christian experience of a Christian higher education. And so when we made this relationship with the Michigan Department of Corrections, we said we're not looking to exclude anybody. In fact, we're looking to welcome everybody. And so when we admit uh, prisoners into our program, I'd say two-thirds are Christian. But then we have Muslims, we have people from other faith traditions, then of course we have men who have no faith tradition. And in that case, what we say is this, our goal, the mission of our program, very similar to the on-campus program, is that we want to help people, whether you're Christian or not, try to discover what it means to be human and what it means to live a good life. And so in that sense, I uh, suggest that our Calvin Prison Initiative is using education to build a moral and spiritual community in order that people of all backgrounds and all faiths eventually can go and either live out their religious vocation or at least live out a moral vocation. Now, for those who are Christian, of course, then we say, well, you're living out God's calling on your life. And that God has a purpose for you and ministry for you to do in life. What we found is that the Muslims and people of other faith traditions and even no faith traditions love this program. And we have many Muslims, especially, who love all the Christian theology and Bible and the whole bit. And they say that for once, they really are given a substantial worldview that includes God. And we've actually seen people convert to Christianity. Now, the the kind of evangelism part, if you will, is simply through the witness of Mm -hmm. being Christian educators, helping to create a moral and spiritual community. So we've seen a lot of um, 
really good outcomes <clears throat> of this approach. And then uh, because we use the word vocation a lot at Calvin University, uh, which is to say, what is God calling you to be and do in life? We prep them for a calling. So again, even if they're not uh, religious at all, we still say, well, that doesn't mean you don't have a calling on your life. There's such a thing as a moral calling. And so uh, that includes living in the prisons. And so really, uh, we focus this program on people who are doing long sentences. Two-thirds of our students are serving life sentences. And we wanted to say that you're not worthless. Uh, you deserve education. And you can even have a calling in prison and be a servant leader in prison. And so we set guys up for that. If they're going to parole, which now we've had 16 guys parole out of our program, we do the same. We invite them into the Calvin community here in Grand Rapids on the main campus. And we begin to work with them and help reform them in terms of a life calling on the outside. And of course, there's more options on the outside. And so we've had guys go into business. Uh, we've had guys go into social work and all sorts of activities. And they discovered that they had gifts and uh, skills for this that they never would have imagined, say, five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago. So the program is as much as possible as we can, the same sort of experience you'd have on the main campus at Calvin University. We're simply helping people through education discover who they are as God's creatures, uh, who they are as called by Jesus um, to live out their calling. Um, so Todd, who who's paying for this? Like how yeah. how is this happening? Um, and then how can people learn more? Sure. So when we started, uh, you brought up the question about the kind of almost church-state relationship. When we started, we were very clear that while we were being allowed to do this program inside of a state prison, we did not want state or federal money because as a Christian institution, we really wanted to have full control of our curriculum. And so we did not take any uh, state or federal money, and the whole program was donor-funded. Now, this program costs us just about a million dollars a year. And until two years ago, uh, it was all donor funded. Uh, we didn't even take money off our operating budget from the university. All the money had to come from the outside. And we found that there were donors out there who just loved the idea of this program, loved the program. And so we've had a little difficulty, frankly, raising the funds for the program. About two years ago, we felt that we were fully established as a program, as a Christian higher ed program. And then we had an opportunity to apply for second chance Pell Grants through the federal government. And uh, there used to be Pell Grants available to prisoners prior to 1994. Uh, the Clinton administration actually removed access for incarcerated people to receive a Pell Grant. And that virtually decimated all college programs across the country. And so we felt that we were ready to look into what a Pell Grant from the federal government looked like. And we realized that there were very few restrictions and that being a, a faith institution, a Christian institution was fine, uh, according to the feds. So now we do receive Pell Grants and that covers about 40% of our costs. And we still have to fundraise for 60% of our costs. <clears throat> we think uh, the federal Pell Grants are gonna allow more sustainability for our program going forward. And now we are working with the state of Michigan to even perhaps get a grant of two to 3,000 per student to help close the gap, if you will, where the Pell Grants uh, can't cover. And we hope this is a model for other schools. Um, 
Christian secular, other schools in Michigan, and ideally across the country. So um, it's been a hard road, but we've uh, figured it out, I think. And we're going to see more and more schools, colleges and universities start programs this July, because now the Biden administration lifted all restrictions for incarcerated people that if they qualify for a Pell Grant, they may receive a Pell Grant. And we're just going to see a lot more schools um, getting involved. Now, here's my hope. My hope is that Christian colleges and universities across the country start these programs. Uh, we have found that to be a Christian university and to have this program with a clear Christian witness um, is miles ahead of a lot of other programs, and it makes a huge difference in these prisons and in lives of people, which then is to say in the community from which these people came. And so this is an opportunity for Christians to have a huge, huge impact on this country. Again, we incarcerate as an industrialized, advanced country more than any other. And so uh, we have an opportunity to change that and be witness to the, in this country, but even in the world, frankly. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, you guys have heard the language of Second Chance on multiple occasions before. We recently had a conversation about Second Chance Month with our friends over at Prison Fellowship from the Colson Center. Um, We're talking today um, about the Calvin Prison Initiative. I know that if you are interested in learning more, maybe you are related to an institution of higher education that's a Christian university. I know a lot of you listening are. Um consider this, pray about this, get more information. I'll send you the direct link if you text me, 877-933-2484. Otherwise, um, not hard um, to find Todd. He is at calvin.edu. Choffee is spelled C-I-O-F-F-I. Um, I hope you'll come back. This was very interesting. Great. I'd love to, and thank you for this uh, opportunity to share this. Yeah, thank you so much. That's Todd Choffee. He heads up the Calvin Prison Initiative for Calvin University. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Well, this sure has been fun today. Thank you uh, so much for sharing this time with me. Yes, for the person who asked, hey, doesn't this remind you of that thing that you talked about with that guy from Texas and that church that has campuses inside of prison locations? And I thought to myself, yes, we got to get back together with those gateway people um, and find out what's happening there as well. Um, yeah, all kinds of good things that God's people are doing deployed in the world that he so loves seeking to walk out their faith in ways that honor Jesus. I know you're going to do that as well today. Don't miss the divine opportunities that God, or divine appointments that God has set. Um, I hope you see them, and I hope you don't cross over on the other side. Like, let's not avoid the things that God is leading us into today. The people, the conversations, the opportunities. Be prepared to tell your Jesus story, and maybe just ask somebody else, hey, you know, what's your Jesus story? You don't have to know all the details of their life. Give them an opportunity to talk about the Lord they love. All right, I'm Carmen LaBerge. It's been a great day um, together. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Share the show with someone else. You can do that via the Faith Radio app. Hopefully you are subscribed to the program. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.